This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Welcome, welcome, my children of the night, to Blizzum. Bo- Damn it! To Bosom Bloodies. <laughs> Welcome to Bosom Bloodies. I'm Kale. I'm Glennis. And uh, right now I currently have a black cat literally on my lap. Oh, wow. Commitment. Commitment to the vibe. She told me to tell you she's a tortie type. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so what are we talking about today? Um, today we're trying something new and different on the podcast. We're going to yeah. see how it goes. Um, we're doing some hollowed history. So this is going to be some historical information about the OG goth and mother of an entire genre of literature, Mary Shelley. Okay, good. Um, you have researched it. I have uh, not. I didn't understand the assignment. <laughs> So what do you, you can stand in for our listeners. What do you know, Kel, about Mary Shelley, who she was? Uh, I know that she wrote Frankenstein. Yes. Uh, the, she was the first horror uh, author, author, right? And that's it. I kind of picture uh, like the original Wednesday Adams. That that's who she was. I just assume. Yes. Yes. Wednesday wishes. She could be Mary Shelley, for sure. Um, Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to get started with um, this information. Trigger warning to anybody listening. Um, Mary Shelley dealt with a lot of uh, death of children, and there's suicide, illness. If you're not up for (laughs) discussions about that, this might not be the episode for you. Um, So also, to give credit where credit is due, the sources I used for this um, are a podcast called You're Dead to Me, by Greg Ooh. Jenner, <laughs> uh, Vulgar History by Ann Foster, and of course, Wikipedia. Um, all right, so here we go. Mary Godwin was born in 1797 in London, um, and her parents were these radical thinkers. Her dad was a political philosopher and anarchist named William Godwin, and her mother was a feminist writer and a women's rights advocate named Mary Wollstonecraft. Um, So Mary was born, and like 11 days later, her mom died and she (laughs) carried this guilt with her for her whole life like immediately off the bat out of the womb her life is like marked by death um and it was this thing that she always felt badly about although looking back now we can kind of assess that the reason her mom died was she got an infection um because the doctor who helped her give birth did not wash his hands which happened to women a lot back in the day (laughs) so i want to like retroactively be like it wasn't your fault mary Um, so he was a, uh, I was, was going to say he was a science denier, but he, uh, at the time that was probably the practice, right? Yeah. Who knows what he did right before going to help give birth. But yeah, that was, that was pretty normal. I mean, like gave birth to a cow or something. This is the 1800s. Right? Yes. Uh, in the early 1800s. Uh, what was the, I'm sure it's from other places, but I think it was, uh, oh crap, this is where I get stuck with uh, 12 monkeys. Uh-huh. Brad put shares, like, you know, a couple hundred years ago, if someone said uh, there are these small microorganisms that cause sickness, everybody thinks that person is insane. But today, if I said um, it's all a hoax, there's no such thing as microorganisms, and that person is insane. So. Yep. 
Exactly. The narrative has totally, has totally flipped. <laughs> um, yeah. So a sad beginning for Mary's life. Um, where, so where were they? They're in England. They're in England. Yes. Um, so one piece of lore surrounding her and her childhood um, was that she learned to read and learn the alphabet by tracing the letters on the tombstones in the graveyard where her mother was buried. And she like spent a lot of time there um, in her mother's graveyard to like feel closer to her um which in parentheses in my book report i wrote god um creepy yeah that's creepy that's creepy so i had uh sesame street she had yeah yeah. okay got it exactly exactly um so she grew up in this household around intellectuals and radical thinkers. She didn't have formal schooling, but her father adored her and like took great care in educating her. Um, and she really absorbed these ideas of her parents and tried to live them. Um, so she wanted to be progressive and forward thinking. And um, you'll see kind of how that plays out in her life later. Um, her dad remarried and Mary had a stepmother who she never really got along with. Um, oh. It's Yeah, it's like... I don't know that it was like straight up Disney villain, evil stepmother, but it's it's the sort of thing. Her half sisters like did get to go to school and they got preferential treatment and stuff like that. So Cinderella story. Yeah, exactly. So there are a lot of stories about her childhood, but I'm kind of going to give the short version. Um, Again, the references of my research, if you want like a thorough blow by blow of her life, that's the place to go. Um, I'm jumping to when she meets Percy Shelley, who is her husband and the man, obviously, whose name she takes. Um, He's one of the most deep. Well, do you know who Percy Shelley was familiar with that name? Um, He was one of the most famous romantic poets, partially because of the work that Mary did after he died. He wasn't famous during his lifetime. Um, But he was from this wealthy upper class family, uh, but he had radical political and social views. Um, He was kicked out of Oxford for handing pamphlets out about atheism. He was like, free love, there is no God, like total um the the Shelleys were pretty punk rock yeah pretty punk rock um he had a big falling out with his dad um when he got kicked out of Oxford so he was like looking for a surrogate father figure in Mary's dad like he was like the super fan of her father's work um and that's like actually why he was like sniffing around that house in the first place so he like shows up wants to meet his hero and it's like oh my god there's a 16 year old girl here who i'm falling in love with oh um, a great way to, <laughs> to get in good with your, your desired mentor is to uh, start hitting on this 16 year old daughter yes um so by their accounts it's like love at first sight she was 16 percy was 21 you she's just 16 years old Leave her alone, they said. Yeah, he did not listen. He was also married at the time with a small child. Percy, man, come on. Um, Yeah, but you know, he had his like radical forward ideas about monogamy and marriage and how it was like, it's all just a construct and like, we got to follow our love (laughs) and our boners. So yeah. I'm sorry, can we back up a little bit? Because I, I guess I had a picture of Mary Shelley, but if, um, if it was love at first sight, I, maybe she was a, more of a smoke show than I thought. What did, what did she look like? Um, she had like strawberry blonde hair and she was very pale, very goth. <laughs> her hair like got darker with time. So like when you see portraits of her, she has like the middle part, which is very in now with the Gen Z 
and beautiful pale skin. I think she was a beautiful, a beautiful lady. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't prepared to rate uh, Mary Shelley physically <laughs> for you, Kale. <laughs> Hot or not, Glennis? Hot, Hot or not? She's 16. Wait, no, that's no, that might not be appropriate. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> so they started meeting in the graveyard um, where her mom was buried. And the legend is that she lost her virginity on or very near her mother's grave. <laughs> Which, again, in my notes, I wrote, goth. So goth. Um, <laughs> creepy. Yeah, that's creepy. That's creepy. So yeah, she was embracing, you know, this feminist free love uh lifestyle which you know is also fueled by 16 year old thought processes and brain um and her father did not approve of this um so like he had written a lot about yeah free love but he did not like this that this was happening so mary and percy run away in the dead of night to france again teenage decision making and they brought her stepsister claire with them she spoke french so you know they needed her and also Percy and Claire almost definitely were lovers. Uh, like he was definitely like sleeping with, <laughs> sleeping with his sister as well. I like don't, it's going to be, I mean, if it isn't already obvious, I don't dig Percy. Like I know Mary loved him, but he's just like constantly like boning everyone and being like, this is how we should be um, while well, she hates it. And Percy, like, encouraged Mary to, like, swing as well. Like, he, like, was like, you should fuck my best friend. And she was like, no, thanks. Like, <laughs> she, again, like, she thought she would be really into those things. But it turned out in practice that she only wanted to be with Percy. So it kind of it sucked for her. Um, yeah, so the three of them, they're this crew. Um, they walk through France to Switzerland um it sucks they turn around they have to like turn around and go back as soon as they get there but on this journal on this trip she keeps a journal with percy and it's like the first piece of writing that we have from her um oh. it's just like this co-travel blog they make together she um, kept the receipts yeah, exactly. Um, so they run out of money. They have to kind of slink back home. Uh, much to her shock, <laughs> her dad doesn't welcome them back. Um, you know, he's just not happy with what they've done. And she's really hurt by this. She thought that she was living the life that her parents wrote, th wrote about. Like she thought that she was doing what they had told her was appropriate um so this is the beginning of like a period of estrangement between her and her dad um so mary is 16 pregnant because she gets pregnant like you know i like i as i was like researching and reading all of this like birth control would have made this story like so much less sad but yeah 16 pregnant not married um they're moving around a lot they've got claire with them they're kind of outcasts broke and vegetarians which is percy's decision like on the Sorry, surface you say, you say they're broke or they were broke. They were broke, no money. And yeah, they have the first baby she has dies after a month. And it's like devastating, of course. She has like reoccurring dreams about the baby and like it haunts her. So we jump to 1816. Her half-sister Claire, who is with them, um, has had an affair with Lord Byron. Do you know who Lord Byron was? Oh, oh wow. I feel like I should. Uh, this is like a quiz for you, Gail. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Lord Byron was a poet. Yes. And is most famous for the poem. Oh, I don't. I don't know either. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> He's turned the mirror on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Lord Byron Allen, who's a talk show host. No. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to say he's basically the most famous poet of that time. He was like a rock star and very scandalous, like 
there was nothing and nobody that like Lord Byron wouldn't sleep with at the time. Um, he was and, a romanticist. I know that, and, uh, but I don't know what he was words. I, I didn't know anything about a person. Yeah. Him, his personal life is what I knew more about. I went down a weird Lord Byron wormhole when I was researching this, which it's, <laughs> it's bizarre. There's lots of stories out there. Um, now I'm curious about Lord Byron. Well, we can have a whole Lord Byron episode if this is, oh, okay. if, if this turns out to be a format we like. Um, hey, uh, if you want to hear yeah. <laughs> we're gonna change this podcast to be a romantic poet podcast sounds um, like it would be pretty uh, it would be pretty risque they were the, i guess they were the, like they were the rock stars or the reality stars. yeah yeah for sure um so he yeah he was notorious um and claire a, what'd you say he was a kardashian he was a kardashian kartrashian um and Claire, Mary's half-sister, was, like, really into him, had an affair with him, got pregnant by him, and was like, guys, we got to go to Switzerland and see Lord Byron because I got to, like, tell him about the baby. Um, and so she convinces the Shelleys to go to Switzerland, and it's, like, the most awful, wet summer there, and they're having, like, the worst time. And so they're, like, inside, and it's raining one night, and they're reading German ghost stories, and Lord Byron's like, hey, guys, let's write our own ghost stories, and they make it a contest. So the guys tell their story, like, off the top of their head, um, and Mary didn't have an idea immediately at first, um, probably because at this point she had a small baby that she had had her second child, I think, and was still like it was still very small. So, so she was busy and it took her a few days uh, and a story came to her in a dream or a nightmare. And that story was. Oh, it's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Frankenstein. 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 No, it's pronounced Frankenstein. It's modern Prometheus. Uh, Frankenstein or the Frankenstein. Yes, you know the whole title. I love it. <laughs> um, the rest is history. Like she's 18 years old. She's a teen mom. She's got a baby. Um, and she like invents an entire genre. Um, well, the rest is history, but I, I guess I never <laughs> really thought about. How did it go from just, I, I think I'd heard that story before about challenge and just a little something they wrote as friends. I picture it like it's a campfire story or something they would share and toss. But how did it go from that to becoming a huge phenomenon? Well, so she had the like dream slash nightmare of the idea. Um, but then it actually took about two years for her to publish the book. Um, so she worked on it and wrote wow. it and um, I'm sure had input from Percy. There's of course, there's like whole schools of thought that people think like Percy wrote the book and like, I'm just like eye roll. Um, <laughs> but yeah, two years after that like storytelling contest happened, she anonymously published the book um, and dedicated it to her father. Um, oh. She got no royalties because <laughs> she didn't put her name on it. Um, eventually she republishes it with her name so that she can like- <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, back up. <laughs> yeah. So she anonymously published it and dedicated it to her father. Like, did she yes. pay father? Because that's not so. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's part of why people thought it was Percy because he was like such a super fan of her dad. And he also um, wrote, he wrote the foreword too. I think she mostly didn't put her name on it because she was a woman. Um, and that wasn't really like appropriate at the time. Like, I don't think like it wouldn't be bad if like Percy, like because Percy's name was on it, her dad's name was on it, but she didn't put her name on it at first. Don't forget about the damn Patreon. Right, so when was it published? Um, let's see, 18, 1818 is when it was published. Ooh, nice. So, so, but that was uh, a time of like emerging technology, right? So the steam engine and yeah, the printing press was like there, but not like as 
ubiquitous as it would become. I wondered like what fueled like that. Cause I, I, to me, it's always been a story about like science going awry and then kind of messing around with things. Yeah. There had been part of what she was drawing on is people were experimenting with like reanimation. And so they had discussions about that work and that, those advancements in science. Um, and there's also like, you know, it's, it's really sad because she had at that point lost one baby and she, they woke up and the baby was just dead. And she kept having, like, she had a dream that they like rubbed the baby by the fire and it like brought the baby back to life. So it's like one of these things where like, I'm sure she was like turning that over in her head about, you know, how you could possibly bring life back. Um, but yeah, so that was, it was definitely in the air. And if, like when it was published, there were lots of people who were like, this is unnatural and wrong. Like even talking about this sort of thing. Um, so <laughs> I picture them with pitchforks as they said it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I know we take it for granted. Like Frankenstein is such a like shorthand now. Like I was thinking about how they're just like decoration. Like what would she even think if she came and saw like, <laughs> you know, and be, she would probably need to like be told that that's what yeah. that image is because Gosh. the image we use is from the movies. And that was not how she described him in the book. Um, I've always said that if I had access to a time machine, what I would do is go back and get Lucille Ball and bring her here and have her watch uh, some television and just, get her opinion on things that would be so, amazing and with that in mind what i would love to do is take to mary shelley a box of frankenberry cereal <laughs> <laughs> is this where you were headed is this what you had in oh gosh maybe if you offered her some of the money that frank like oh she has made so many people so much money frankenberry the movie two the frankenberry wears prada um, so so how two years later she put it her name on it um i don't know how many years later after like a second publication of it but so i, I don't remember the timeline but there was you know emily um or charlotte bronte mm -hmm. jane austen i guess right jane yes, austen so like there were the same... some Email yeah, this was around the same time. Um, but like Jane Austen published her books, it was like by a lady. Um, and the Bronte sisters, I think, published under like false male names, like and and it wasn't until later they were credited, oh. I think. So she was like pretty rare in that she quickly came to just, you know, put her name on it. Um, and later she continues to be like a working author, which is a very rare thing, especially at this time. Um, yeah. So um, you ready for some more tragedies? Oh, yeah. wait, wait, there's more. Oh, no, there's more. There's yeah. more. She's only 18. We got like... <laughs> what? Wait, literally all this was by the time she was 18? That's crazy. She she started, yeah, the, the, she started writing when it was 18. So she was 20 when it was pub published, like in a book for sale. Um, okay. So during this time, tragedy continues to befall them. Percy's first wife, Harriet, who is just like off raising their child, um, takes her own life. Ooh. And so does one of, um, Mary's half sisters who she left back, she and Claire like left back in England, um, and Her now that Harriet is gone, Percy and Mary do get married. That's when she becomes Mary Shelley. Um, and they were kind of traveling throughout the continent um, during these years. They lose two more children to like young children to dysentery and cholera. Um, they get all of these diseases while they're like walking around. And Mary is like sick all the time. Um, and eventually they kind of settle in Italy. Uh, Mary's like extremely dis 
depressed uh, because she's lost three children. And um, while she's there, she has a miscarriage and Percy, who I I don't like, um, (laughs) but he actually ends up saving her life by like putting her, she was like, like trigger warning, like she was like bleeding out and he put her in a bath of ice and the doctor who like came to help her eventually was like you saved her because you she would have just like bled out and died um oh really but yeah so percy is good for poems and saving lives but also still like fucking around constantly like he's very sulky that mary has like become a downer (laughs) during this time together which like she was basically pregnant and or grieving the entire time (laughs) that they're together so he's like being a fuck boy, like gallivanting, having sex with her sister, like having sex with anybody they meet too. And, you know, he's like, you agreed to this. That's who I am. Don't you love me? So they're in Italy and Percy goes out on a boat trip with his uh, with their friend. And the wife of this friend is somebody that he is in love with and having sex with and writing poetry about. When they go to come back from this boat trip, Percy and everybody on the boat drowns at sea and leaves Mary a widow. Um, she goes on to call this the greatest tragedy of her life. And because they're in Italy and there's like quarantine regulations, they have to burn the bodies on the beach and Percy's heart wouldn't burn. So like his heart was left behind, which is like super goth. Oh. <laughs> and she kept the heart in a silk scarf and pages of his poetry in like a box in her desk for the rest of her life. Creepy. Yeah, that's creepy. Which is like so weird, so weird and sad and super goth. So by 24, she's 24 now, she's had four children, lost three of them, had an almost fatal miscarriage, written one of the greatest novels of all time, started the science fiction and horror genres, and become a widow. Wow, this Mary's got the whole package. So (laughs) she's living life. (laughs) What did you do by the time you were 24, (laughs) Cal? None of those things. Yeah. Um, me either. I'm stuck but... on the uh, this heart. It's, um, it's amazing. Yeah. I feel like within a couple of weeks of me being gone, my wife would like sell all my shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to move on. Um <laughs> Yeah, so they they go back to uh she they have she has one child Percy Florence who lives to adulthood adulthood and survives. He's named after where he was born, Florence, Italy. Um, they go back to England and his grandfather, so Percy Shelley's dad, who has like disowned him and cut off the money, wants to raise the grandchild, and Mary's like, hell no. So she's basically becomes like a single mom, and she has to like work to make a life for them. She writes magazines, other books, um, and kind of becomes this rare thing—a female author who makes a living um, by writing. Um, and she kind of devotes her life to editing and promoting and transcribing. Percy Shelley's poetry like she's the one who kind of secures his legacy um eventually uh Sir Timothy which is the name of Percy Shelley's father dies and leaves the and then finally her son Percy Florence like inherits money and he can take care of all of them I wrote that Percy Florence is super boring (laughs) like he has this amazing pedigree of like free love writers like radical thinkers and he like doesn't like travel or literature like he's not into it (laughs) he um is just kind of a dude who wants to like do what everybody else does um but mary loves him anyway of course um not that that's bad you know (laughs) 
she loves her very like normie son. I think it's like funny that these two like chaotic, amazing thinkers made like a normal um, <laughs> carrying around a briefcase. I'm not you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the way, I got to go to my copywriter job. Yeah, he does not. He has no interest in graveyards. <laughs> I don't even want to be here. <laughs> yeah, I didn't ask to be born. Yeah, which is something the monster or the creature says in Frankenstein, basically. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't want your life. Uh, so in... We are doing a big time jump. It's 1851. Mary becomes gravely ill, falls into a coma, and dies of what we can assume is a brain tumor. So Percy Florence and his wife, they like all got along really well, but they're Victorians. Queen Victoria is now um, kind of ushered in in this era of like conservative, conservative traditional values. Um, and they whitewash a lot of the story about Mary once she's gone. Um, they get rid of the like free love parts and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, those things and, um, you know, make kind of make it nice and neat. And we don't really find out about a lot of this stuff about her until later. Um, a year after her death is when they find Percy's Percy Shelley's heart in her desk and they, <laughs> they, they dig Mary back up and put the heart in the coffin with her and bury her again um, so they can be together forever, even though he was the worst. And I wrote that after her death, that she was remembered more as Shelley's widow. Like, so Frankenstein is kind of stands as this legacy. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until 1989 that there was like a first full scholarly biography written about her. Um, which I just think is whack. Like she lived this incredible life. Um, and so I wanted to like give this very brief intro overview about like the original goth queen, Mary Shelley, who brought us horror, science fiction, Frankenstein, um, all while going through like intense personal tragedy and loss. So yeah, did that's she did she have success in her time? Like did she know did it? Was the novel popular and well-received while she was alive? Yes, 100%. Um, I, I'm sure, like, she she did put her name on it so eventually she could get money. But, like, copyright, like, wasn't a thing. So there were lots of, like, play stage adaptations made of it. And she would go to the plays and be like, oh, wow, that's, that's cool. <laughs> Um, I would be enraged, but yeah, it was, you know, <laughs> it was a piece of literature that was regarded and reviewed. And, um, yeah, she also wrote, there's, she wrote a book called The Last Man, which predicts, it's like, it takes place 50 years from now. And it like predicts that there's this plague that like wipes out. <laughs> like the human race and it also talks about climate change like destroying the earth and i'm like oh my god mary shelley yeah <laughs> she um was a great mind was a great mind and and just weird and cool that was, yeah that's my other question what else uh what else did she do I mean, was it just the one thing? <laughs> yeah, she had the the podcast I listened to said that her other books were like a big bummer. Um, but you know, uh, that makes sense to me. <laughs> As we have not, gone over this, not the like, one where a creature was born against its will and then uh, <laughs> by townspeople. That's not the bummer, <laughs> right? Driven to being a villain. But she wrote Bride of Frankenstein. Obviously, that was her big follow. <laughs> right, her cash grab. Ghost of Frankenstein and Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Yeah, that's uh, that's Mary Shelley, and I was kind of racing through that. But what can we take if anything from her? I don't I mean if I, my flip answer is like give your teenagers birth control um yeah. 
<laughs> because she did, you know, she just like, I, I, you know, she went on to like empathize later with Percy Shelley's first wife. Uh, and she felt like she was atoning for her sins that she committed as a young girl and running off with someone else's husband. But um, yeah, my, my takeaway is like, I don't know, because she was so feminist, but I'm just like, oh, Percy Shelley was like this weight on her neck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she wouldn't have, you know, she wouldn't have done the things she did without him and gotten her life experience and all of that, but I don't know. You do not quite get what I mean. Herr Frankenstein was interested only in human life. First to destroy it, then recreate it. There you have his mad dream. Think of it, the brain of a dead man waiting to live again in a body I made with my own hands. With my own hands, I created it. I made it with my own hands from the bodies I took from graves, from the gallows, anywhere. All right, uh, now let's do the scene where her son Percy and his wife are cleaning out her stuff after. <laughs> oh my gosh. What's that? What's that you holding there? Oh, I, I was just cleaning out uh, your mother's desk, and uh, there seems to be something uh, quite pungent coming from this drawer on the right. Go ahead, now open it. Oh, of course. Oh, uh, the, the smell is getting worse as I open it. Oh, the flies, flies. <laughs> Oh. I um it seems to be a ball of uh it's a ball of paper and silk and <laughs> juice. Percy Florence, what could this be? Why, there's only one thing that it could be. It's obviously my father's heart. Oh yes, your father's heart. The I one think that wouldn't burn. This brain that I found in the shoebox. This is starting to make sense, Percy Florence. Yeah, you know, there's only one thing we must do now. We shall take these parts and we shall put them together. And we he shall resurrect my father. Yes, he will be a free love, progressive thinking radical. Some may call him an undead abomination, but we know him as the immortal swinger. <laughs> yes, the undead dallier. And now we have a title. <laughs> CityPodcastNetwork.com.